0: Welcome back to the Marvel Movie Minute, a daily podcast in which we explore the films of the Marvel Cinematic Universe one minute at a time. And this is our fourth season. We're looking at Kenneth Branagh's 2011 film, Thor. I'm Matthew Fox from TheEthicalPanda.com.
1: And I'm Andy Nelson from The Next Real Film Podcast.
0: And today we're talking about Minute 45, which begins with Thor offering Jane a deal and ends with Jane getting rather flustered. Joining us on the show today, once again, we have Austin Tichner, creator of The Shakespeareance, co-artistic director of The Reduced Shakespeare Company, and producer and host of The Reduced Shakespeare Company podcast. Austin, it's been so great having you this week. We're talking about this all minute by minute, but what's kind of your overall sense of these five minutes we've gotten to watch together?
2: It's it's something that I generally don't like to do because this is more work than I and I'm lazy. <laughs> um, but... But it's 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 a fantastic uh, way to do a deep dive investigation into not only the not only the the subject matter, but it's but it's echoes throughout the culture and and the echoes from other things that it brings into the storytelling, like Shakespeare. So I, it's it's uh, really a fantastic idea.
0: Well, it's awesome. I'm sorry the week's coming to an end, but we're going to get one more chance to talk to you right after this break.
1: This is an independent podcast from True Story FM. We love producing this show and talking about Thor and the other films in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but it does take time and cost money. Without our members, for whom we are eternally grateful, we couldn't keep it going. Membership means we can deliver content to you without selling your information and interests through podcast advertising sources. We like our privacy, and we know you do as well. If you're already a member, thanks. If not, please consider becoming a member for the season. It only costs $5 per month, or we offer a discounted price if you join at the annual rate. Learn more at truestory.fm slash marvelmovieminute. Thanks.
0: So the minute kind of starts with Thor offering them a deal. And I feel like this is another important moment for him because this is the first real time he's... Yeah, he's sort of acknowledging them as PCs instead of NPCs for people who play video games or role playing games, or the, if you're more philosophically minded, Martin Buber, you know, the subject versus an object, an I thou versus an I it relationship. Like, this is the first time where he's really shown an understanding of, oh, there are other people around me who have their own interests and agendas, and maybe if I want them to do what I want, I should pay attention to what they want.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, Jane. Jane clearly wants information from him, and he knows it. and And so it's it's interesting to kind of give her that sense that I will give you that information that you are keep asking me about. You keep hounding me about you know, what it was like in there, and uh, but I'm so hungry, I can't pay attention to you at all. I just have to eat. Uh, that very much is where Thor has been. But now he wants something, and now, yeah, it is that recognition that you know, if you take me there, I will tell you everything you wish to know.
2: But it's interesting that he he recognizes Jane's attraction to him and her desire and her need for information, but he seems completely unbothered, and if he notices at all, by Eric's suspicion, True, um, which I find fascinating, mostly because Jane's attraction he can use. Um, Eric's suspicion is something that he doesn't have to worry about because he's
1: a god. That's actually an interesting point because uh, often you would have the Thor character in this particular scenario then after Eric kind of sells it like you know don't go with this crazy person basically doing a counter sell right and saying no 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 totally you should you don't listen to them i i can give you every don't you really want to know these answers and we don't get that like it's 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 very much kind of like okay we'll part ways
2: Well, and I also think there's a, there's something, and I don't know whether this is a true thing or not, but I, but, but it feels like when characters want a thing, they are immediately attracted to the thing and also suspicious of it. And in, and, and in, and in Jane's case, she's immediately attracted to it. And Eric's case, he's, he's suspicious of it. This can't possibly be true in his mind. And yet you sense that you, it would be wonderful if it were true. Yeah.
0: And in some ways it makes sense for both of them. And I, I I have another question about Jane's motivation that will get too with another uh reference to older theater but with eric like because he's invested in these stories i feel like it's almost easier to not get worried about stories you've never heard of whereas for eric because there's a sense of he knows just what it means if this guy is telling the truth and i think because he has so much more of an understanding of it than jane does is why he just has to reject it in a way she's not along with all the other stuff about him just being older and wiser and also maybe not quite so obsessed with the pectorals on this gentleman and all the rest of it. Not quite so dazzled. Mm
1: -hmm. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And and he very much, I mean, he is a person as he kind of says here, these are stories from my childhood. Like these were tales that were told to me of mythological things that didn't exist. This person is acting crazy and he's talking about all this stuff as if it's real, he's dangerous. And, and i think that there's an interesting barrier that we have with his character about the idea of the myth and the reality and it's i mean it is a hard line to cross like can you imagine if somebody said oh this thing that you always were told as kind of you know fairy tales as a kid it's actually real and i mean that's kind of like a big jump to make and and from his perspective he's a crazy man that we ran into out in the desert and sure he's you know got a body to look at and sure he's charming as all get out but, I mean, he's incredibly strong. He destroyed that room at the hospital. And, uh, I mean, yeah, don't don't get into the car alone with this character.
0: Do you think it's also fair to say, and I'm not trying to project anything or be Freudian here in the slightest, but he's like he was her mentor. He's responsible for her. I, I don't think there's any kind of daddy issue thing happening, but the word paternalistic comes to mind. Like, I do feel like he feels a sense of she is so excited about this because of my mentoring and teaching her. And so, if she does something stupid, it's kind of my fault, and I, I need to kind of help keep her safe at this moment. Am I am I reading in too much, or do you think that's fair as part of Eric's motivations?
2: I th- I think as the uh, that seems fair as part of his most motivations, and also as um as 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 I'm looking at you, I feel like I'm more closer to Eric's age than you guys are. Um, <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I you have this. I, I had this sense of he started Jane off on this on this adventure. Right. On this investigation. And now he's seeing where it could go. So there's also a sense of, look, you're my student and I can't let you I have a responsibility to you to not let you do something that might be dangerous. So it feels I guess it feels to your question, it feels professional to me in a not. And so it doesn't feel feel weirdly paternal or weirdly inappropriately avuncular. Exactly. Yeah. 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 It doesn't it doesn't feel like you're making a bad mistake because you're a girl and you're dazzled by his pecs. It doesn't feel like that. It feels it does feel professional.
1: Yeah, I think there's a very professorial. And I mean, yeah, I mean, this is Jane's study she's doing here. Um, But I mean, she learned from Eric, her father and Eric worked together. And so I can see the paternalistic element to it. I can see the professorial element where, I mean, you know, she brought him here very specifically for science to kind of explore this in a scientific method. And, uh, you know, from the from the get go, it has been very emotional and passionate and driving and like she's, you know, forcing uh, Darcy to drive the vehicle into the storm. Like Jane is very much a scientist who has a lot of emotion and and uses emotion as a driving force, which is very unscientific. And I think as the pro- the professor, the parental scientist of this group, he is very much like pulling her back, saying, "Remember, this is science. Keep it in check." I mean, as that great Shakespearean character, Jesse Pinkman, once said, <laughs> "Yes, science." <laughs> I love that
2: reference.
0: yeah (laughs) Yeah, you want to talk about a a, a tragic hero slain by his fault his fault flaws in all the most shakespearean ways uh walter white is perfect for that yeah i I do also love that he references like where i when i grew up because i I don't think we've been told yet but i do think we know late we learn later that he's swedish um and uh i think often when people think about uh the Norse mythology, they often think about Germany uh and and Norway and Iceland. Sweden also is a place that has a very rich history with all this, it's part of Scandinavia. Uh, I was doing some reading actually and the headline will tell you that the actual Mjolnir was found beneath uh a Stockholm subway tunnel in 2014, 2013. <laughs> it, it it's a little more complicated than that, but as far as people can tell, people would build you know statues of this, that because it's their religious iconography, the way people build, you know, crucifixes and stuff like that, or or whatever it is. And, and as far as we know, this is like the most intact version of what would have been Mjölnir at a shrine to Thor that that has ever been found, and it's in St- Sweden. So this is definitely very much a part of if he's Swedish, whether he grew up in uh, in Sweden or couldn't grow up in Minnesota. I hear that accent quite a lot just around here. But either way, like the Swedish ancestry. These are very much the stories the mother would have told them,
2: and it's another way of grounding the fantasy too. You know, this yeah, we're this is all pretend and make believe, but it's based on some real stuff that people believe right here and right now.
1: And speaking of the just kind of like the the different ancestry and and just like the the language and everything, I mean, we get one of my favorite jokes of the film here when Thor says, "Once I reclaim Mjolnir," and Darcy is as Darcy as ever right here. She's like, "Mjum." What's Mumia? You know, she like she can't even say it. it. Sounds like she's saying meow meow. It's written in the script like M Y E U dash M U H Miuma. I still think it's one of the funniest things that just plays so well because it's coming out of Darcy's mouth.
2: And then you hear Eric say it, it, it with, the, with the right pronunciation, and you go, oh, all right.
1: Yeah, right, right.
0: As Andy can tell you in our show notes, the number of different ways that I've spelled Mjolnir is quite uh, a lot, so I can understand her having trouble with it as well. Uh, so we talked about Eric. Let's talk about Jane for a second, because I am curious what you think of like her being so invested in this. And I, I, the best way I can frame my question is actually to go to one of my favorite older English uh, performances from uh, Gilbert and Sullivan, Pirates of Penzance, where there's a great moment moment where Frederick, uh, this g- g- gorgeous young man, has shown up on a beach and he needs help. And Mabel is telling them that, like, Mabel is telling her sisters that they should help him. Of course, it's their duty. And the sisters respond, I'm not going to try singing it. Check out our hiatus, too, if you want to hear me sing uh, or if you don't. Uh, <laughs> what they ask him ask is, the question is, had he not been a thing of beauty, would she be swayed by quite as keen a sense of duty? How much of this not that I think, like you said, she's not dazzled by peck. She's not a teenager of of any gender. um, But how much of this do you think is her attraction to him as opposed to her weighing what's the the scientific choice to make?
2: I'm going to say I think it's mostly scientific. I I mean, even in Frederick's case, because uh, because I'm a huge Gilbert and Sullivan nerd as well. And Frederick. Like Jane, and I think of the Shakespeare, the Shakespearean president, President Miranda in the Tempest. Frederick and Miranda have never seen other examples of the opposite sex mm. except for Miranda's father Prospero and Ruth, right, in the Pirates of Panzans. Right, so. They are looking at brand new—Thor is a brand new species to Jane. (laughs) And as far as she knows, from another world. And she's completely invested in that. So, yeah, he happens to be pretty hot. But he's also, if she's right, a person from another planet. And I I get the sense—and part of it is how— uh, uh, Natalie Portman is playing it, I get the sense that it is, it's its is—it's—it's a scientific interest, but it's really a great bonus yeah. <laughs> that, he's, that he's totally hot.
0: Well, I love the way you say it, because it is about her, it's not just about her science of wanting to know what happened in the desert. It's sort of a, like, even her attraction to him, she treats in the scientific manner of person can look good, but not be, well, not be arrogant, but person can look good and speak respectfully. Person can have manners. I must investigate. If kissing is part of investigation, I'll do it for science. You know, it's that kind of attitude. (laughs) What, what is this thing you earth people call
2: second (laughs) (laughs) base?
1: And well, and it's so funny because like Jane, like she clearly, there is that attraction, but I I feel like it's constantly something that she's pushing down. Like we saw that when, when Thor's walking around topless uh, and, and she's, purposefully walking around trying to stare at her journal, whereas Darcy just is, like, blatantly staring. And that's what I love about Jane is, like, she's, she's trying to remember, like, science comes first, science comes first, science comes first. And through this, and, but then also what I think is interesting is, like, like, Thor keeps setting her off and doing the unexpected. Like, when he smashes the cup, that's unexpected. But his reaction to her about, like, you know, I, I'm sorry, I won't do that again. That also was unexpected. And so he keeps like doing the opposite. And now he runs out into the street and he's like, yes, I am going to go get take this from the government. And everything is just not what she's expecting. And then right up to the moment here where he says they're going to depart and he kisses her hand like that's that moment that breaks, right? And, And what I love about that moment that we have right at the end of this minute is all of a sudden it's like the schoolgirl finally breaks out and she just like kind of giggles giddily because it's like oh wow okay yeah that's that just happened and like it's just like she's working so hard at it yeah i think flustered is just the perfect word for it
0: And, and i i love natalie portman's an actress i don't think she's used very well in these films for the most part although i think george lucas did a much worse job with her in the prequels yeah really but i think in this moment her acting is just so perfect because you see that exactly that that there's never a moment when you can think oh they're writing her as just a silly girl who goes gaga for the cute guy it's that no She's a scientist. She can take care of herself. She can kick ass. And yeah, when this guy kisses her hand, she's going to go a little giggly because I would too. Like, look at him. Um. Yeah, but, al- absolutely. but also because like, you know, and again, here's the way like good script writers can tell us so much. We heard exactly one line, like five words about her ex. He's good at like good at science, bad at relationships, whatever it was. But from that, you know, like this is not a guy who paid a lot of attention to her. This is not a guy who made her a priority. And so for Thor to be like, oh, now I know your emotion, 180 degree change, like for her, I, I think, of course, that would be like you said, just, just it's from another world.
1: And 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 Thor is just, I mean, he's respectful, like, then this is where we say goodbye. Like, he looks genuinely at the person. This is, like, you always hear conversations about people who aren't present, like in, in the moment, like in a conversation or they're at a party and, and you're talking to them, but they're paying attention to something else. This is a person who is 100% present with you thor is there with jane he's looking deeply into her eyes i'm sorry then this is where we must say goodbye he takes her hand he kisses it like he is there and i mean it's really impressive like to to see that and sense that
0: he has a great active listening mode it's just that the switch is really it gets stuck a lot to flip him over (laughs) into that mode you know yes Uh, well and let's talk about him what what is because one thing i'm really struck by is you know the old like kind of English gentlemanly, like, you kiss the lady's hand when you leave a room, you do that to the ladies who are present. And he very pointedly, like, I don't think he's saying anything about Darcy, but, like, he he does this with Jane, and then, bye Darcy, and kind of a wave. Like, is that because he's starting to feel a strong connection to her? Is that because he is flirting with her but doesn't want to flirt with Darcy? Is it just because he thinks, like, Darcy, he doesn't have like Darcy would appreciate that. What do you think is going on there that he does that specifically only for Jane? I
2: think it's attraction, but I also think that he knows that that Jane is the person who will who can give him what he wants. Oh, okay. Jane is the. <laughs> jane is the leader and i don't mean that in a euphemistic way yeah. you know i think that jane is the leader of this band she's the powerful one who's already mostly on his side eric's clearly powerful but not on
1: his side so he's going to ignore him yeah, and darcy he, i i think that he also sees darcy as like he can sense it already she's kind of your servant right you know like that's i feel like that's how he keeps putting things like when he, she's the fool in this court uh, right exactly
0: there's also a weird moment here. It, Andy, you pointed out in the notes that it, it seems like Thor is pretty clearly listening in on their conversation and not doing much to hide it. But that shocks me because so much of what Thor's interaction with them till now has been his feeling of, why don't you understand who I am? I am Thor. I am the Asgardian god. And I would think that the minute he hears Eric start to say, like, this guy represents the stories from my childhood, he would burst in and be like, "Yup." That's who I am. Like, you're right. Give the man a prize. Um, do you think it's just he just doesn't hear that? Or is he actually showing some, you know, restraint for once?
2: I got the sense that he wasn't listening, like that he was pointedly not listening because he was trying to figure out where he had to go next. But that that's an interesting point, and again, another another pivot point in in which, like, oh God, if he had just leapt in and says, "Yes, I can tell you everything you want." I mean, he could have easily almost swayed Eric by giving him all the information he Eric wanted to prove who he, that he who, that he was actually who he says he was. He is
1: that's one of those moments where i feel like they they might have been able to shoot it a little better because like if he had been like actively like looking at the sun and like calculating which direction do i need to walk like i would have believed more that he just really isn't listening the way that they shoot it like he's kind of looking up like he might be looking at the sun but he's not quite and then he turns back and looks at them and so i'm like uh i don't i, I don't know i guess i struggle with the way that uh in that particular moment the way that that scene is constructed.
2: Mm -hmm. I think that that makes sense. The way the story is told is
1: unclear.
0: Right. It it also brings up another thing. Andy, you also mentioned in the the notes, but I also had as a question, what exactly does Thor think is going to happen when he finds Mjolnir?
1: Right. Yeah. I mean, that's that's the thing. Like now he knows that Mjolnir is here and he it's like, did he just think that Odin tossed it down there and said, as soon as you can find it, you can come back. Like, I mean, what was happening there? And, you know, just once you find it, you're good.
2: Has he already reached for it and, and had, had it not respond?
1: No, he hasn't. He Yeah, he's this. I mean, he's only been here for about 12 hours. And at this point, he has no idea that it's even here. This is when he realizes that it's here.
0: And also important note there, Odin, like, casts the spell or activates the GPS of ethics, of whatever it is, on Mjolnir <laughs> only after Thor has gone through the Bifrost. So Thor doesn't even hear him say that.
1: Ah, got it.
0: He's in for a bit of a rude surprise here, I think.
1: Should be an interesting minute when we get there <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. for
1: sure, for sure yeah.
0: um, so I think that 's about all we had to cover for this minute. Is there any other kind of last things that uh, I have Austin one or two kind of more general questions for you, but any other kind of last things about this minute we 'd want to talk about
2: in the in the uh, first minute that we discussed four minutes ago, <laughs> um, we talked about um, we talked about how the relationship between Odin, Thor, and Loki is similar to Gloucester. Uh, and his uh, his legitimate son edgar and his uh, bastard son edmund um edmund being the vil- the villain in quotes uh, as loki is but in this but uh, the, the more we talk about it the more i think about thor i think of him as being uh, he, he's victorious in battle and beloved by his subjects and he has an easy rapport with all of them which um strikes me very much uh, uh, like hal in uh, henry the fourth part 1 who then becomes um henry V as, as as Thor then becomes the king of Asgard. But, but it was also the world of the world of um, uh, Henry 41 and and the London of East and the East Cheap in London is all filled with um Shakespearean kinds of friends I mean what's his name Volstag Volstag, yeah Volstag is absolutely Falstaff absolutely and they've got I'm sure that and Loki is both a brother but also kind of a foolish character so I'm seeing that parallel very much and the final moment where he kisses uh, her, uh, Jane's hand and 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 she kind of gazes at him, you know, flustered or dazzled. I, I in that moment it feels like Jane is is all of us, you know. We we're, we're similarly dazzled and we can't wait to hear the story that Thor is going to tell us. I mean, it's why we go to the movies, it's why we go to theater, you know, tell me a story and that the final image of this minute, of this final minute, is is absolutely all about that idea.
0: And I love that. It references a little bit with his just yes, but I think this is even more so, you know, in earlier minutes, Ian and I were talking about how They push Thor so much to just being this terrible jerk character and even more so in some of the deleted scenes that I would like, especially if deleted scenes were included, I might have just turned the movie off. And I feel like this scene is exactly where, as well as the thing that happened a minute ago, you start to be like, oh, yeah, that's why this guy is a hero. That's why I'm willing to put up with him, treating everyone around him like garbage, because there's something wonderful here and I'm going to get to see it like crawl out of it to shell.
2: Well, and that's, that's a, I think, probably a tribute to Brana's um, storytelling sense and his experience with Shakespeare is knowing what to cut, knowing what to emphasize. I'm sure he had help from, the, from all the producers and screenwriters, but in, in terms of show, what to show and what not to show and the kind of story that we want to tell, um, uh, I, I, I've got to believe that they, they did the right thing in choosing Brana to direct this because of his, because of his background in Shakespeare.
1: Yeah, 100%.
0: Andy, any last things from you about this minute?
1: No, I mean I think that's great. The only other thing that I was going to point out is that uh, as we as we get different shots of them on the street, we see that there's the there's the town post office behind Thor and behind Jane, we see a place that does PC gaming at a Wi-Fi spot. And I, it's I guess it's fitting for Puente Antiguo that it's in what looks like a little tiny uh, house that has been turned into a business. So <laughs> that's about all the room they have for PC and Wi-Fi in this town. <laughs> I like it.
0: We're gonna wrap up this minute, but uh, Austin, while I have you here, I have one more question I want to ask you. Uh, we had a, a Shakespeare expert who on for an earlier minute and i stumped him with his questions i'm hoping you can come up with something um (laughs) Uh any shakespeare play you want you don't have to do all of it but just a couple of the key roles if you could cast it using mcu characters not the actors but mcu characters what do you got well
2: (laughs) i have a friend who did this with his theater group they did zoom shakespeare in a lot of different styles Mm. and they did a marvel version of it and so we talked a little bit about this It felt like, I think I would, I think I would do Henry 4-1 and I think, uh, I think it was, so Henry 4-1 with Spider-Man as Hal. Okay. I can see that. Torn, torn between Captain America as Henry 4 and Iron Man as Falstaff.
0: Oh, with great power comes great responsibility. That's perfect.
2: Oh, wow. Yes. Right and then others. Yeah. <laughs> Down the line. That's fair. Down the line. But that's where I would start. Okay.
1: I love that. Well, that's, thank you so much for that. And, I,
2: and you stumped Jeff Wilson? Yes! <laughs>
0: <laughs> you
1: know, hey, I love it. I love it. The rivalry continues.
0: Thank you. You've been a fantastic guest. Really loved having you on. For our listeners who want to um, keep reading more and experiencing more of the stuff you're creating. Is there anything else? Uh, we've gotten to talk about your uh, podcast and the plays and the like, is there anything else you're putting out there that we really haven't gotten to, to mention that audiences should know about?
2: Well, we can't wait to getting back to producing live shows um, where we're in the in, uh, always having immediate conversations right now about when we can best do that. We've been continuing the weekly podcast uh, throughout the pandemic and we'll continue to do that in the near future. Um, I have written two plays during this pandemic i've written my two king lears and hopefully they will uh, uh see production one of these days um but if you want to uh, follow me or, or or interact with me i'm always on twitter at austin titchener uh, or my website is the and since it's november and christmas is right around the corner you should get pop-up shakespeare
0: for the shakespeare nerd of any age in your life nice. well <laughs> thank you so much definitely check that out folks uh as always uh, check out all the other things that are going on on the next real family of podcasts. I recently just listened to a fantastic podcast on the uh, Saturday Matinee, which actually, when you were talking about like kind of old great actors, they went into this great thing about the, uh, they did all this thing about the different actors who played the the famous fr- monsters, like Frankenstein's Monster and Dracula. And uh, we're talking about how like Bela Gossi and the, they're coming up over and over again. So many great podcasts to check out there. My own podcast that I've mentioned a few more times that I probably should have, Superhero Ethics and the Star Wars Universe podcast. Both of those you can check out on the, which going to the website, theethicalpanda.com. And of course, those podcasts are part of another great podcast network, network.com. So please check out that. Please check out all of the next real stuff. Please check out all the great stuff that Austin's doing. And most importantly, have a good day.
1: Until next time, true believers.